0: Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete,
1: author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Summit with myself, Adam Strong. And I am here today with the amazing Pete Cohen. Now, Pete is a business coach, and he's also a best-selling author. But what's really fascinating about Pete is he's also got a background in sports psychology. So, Pete, just want to say thank you so much for joining us on the Game Changers Insights. How wonderful to have you here!
0: That, well, thank you, Adam. I think your enthusiasm—I don't meet too many people that have the infectious enthusiasm <laughs> that you have. I think I might have actually met my match. <laughs> so, I, I'm looking forward to having this conversation, and I really appreciate uh, the opportunity because you know you're a lot like me in terms of you're just interested in impact and serving people. And that's, that's, that's what I'm all about. You know, I just really want to liberate people to go from a life of chance to an extraordinary life, you know, by, by designing that life. So yeah. Yeah. Love thank it. you for the opportunity.
1: Awesome. Awesome. You're very welcome. So listen, Pete, I just want to kind of, for the benefit of some of our listeners, because we have listeners from all over the world, all over the globe. Um, could you just give us a little bit of a snapshot about how you got to where you are? Cause I know that you do a lot of speaking Mm -hmm. do a lot of coaching and stuff like that. But could you just give us a little bit of a snapshot about your journey?
0: Yeah, of course. So I suppose everyone's got a story, right? So uh, my story is I left school with one O-level. I was the last of the O-levels in 1986. Uh, Really didn't like school. Uh, Loved sport. Uh, uh, Kind of bluffed my way into a college um, and studied. And then kind of feel like I bluffed my way into university where I did a sports science degree. I became a personal trainer. I uh, became an aerobics instructor, I loved getting up in front of people and, and getting people to move. I've always loved movement. I've always loved energy. But it didn't take very long from working in the health and fitness industry uh, mm. to realize that, wow, people have got some serious issues around the way that they think. And I have probably just had as, just as serious issues as anybody else. But I thought the answer was, you know, help other people. And maybe that would help me think differently mm. about how I felt. So looking for approval, looking for appreciation. <coughs> But um, the more I studied psychology, the more I started to realize, wow, there were ways to help people change the way they think. So then I started working with a few sports people. I met a, a West Indian cricketer at a cricket festival. I worked with him, which led, led then led to me working with other athletes and then working with sports teams. Uh, and then it just became really interested about, again, it sounds cheesy, but Possibility, you know what? What can actually people do if they stop doing? I think that was probably the, one of the main things I learned. It was more a question of what people had to stop doing in order for them to reach their their potential. So, you know, I've had a, I've had, I've done some great things, but to me, it doesn't really seem like that much of a big deal. Uh, it's just doing what I've loved to do. So, yeah, written books, I had a career on TV for. 12 years, I was on GMTV, like maybe twice or three times a week.
1: Um, For the benefit of people, sorry, for the benefit of the people (laughs) that don't know what GMTV is, in the UK, it's like Good Morning TV, or Good Morning America, like it would be in North America. And I'm sure there's an Asian version as well. So apologies. Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, you know, that kind of, you know, these TV shows that often pay a little bit of lip service to improving Mm -hmm. your life. And uh, I think deep down, everyone wants to improve, everyone wants to grow, but everyone needs help. You know? And I know that, again, that's what you're all about. Human beings don't do very well on their own. You know, we can survive, but that whole thriving mentality, that, that, that comes about from who you're around, what you're doing, what you're learning, where you're going, uh, ultimately. So yeah, I'm, I'm as fired up about what I do as I was you know, all those years ago.
1: Yeah. And, I, and that's what I really love about you is, is, is you, you, your energy is, is up there, John, you know I mean, and there's, it, 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 it goes up. And every time I see you on LinkedIn live, which, is, you know, very popular platform for you and stuff like that, you know, I think that your um, enthusiasm, but also your energy is very uh, contagious, you know, it, yeah. Sets people up for the day, if you like, you know. But you
0: know what? It, it wasn't always like that. And I think, you know, I know one of the, I'm sure that we're going to talk about adversity and failure. and mm-hmm. it, It's crazy, right, how we learn. Because, uh, yeah, I did have a lot of energy. But in my 20s, I just burnt out because I didn't know how to manage my energy. And I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue. I was diagnosed with ME. Mm-hmm. And it was horrendous. Because for most people, I'd look all right. But inside, I felt terrible. And it took such a long time I had to learn how to move through the world differently. And it is funny how we do learn. We learn through adversity. We learn through failure, which I know is obviously one of the things I think we're going to talk about.
1: Definitely. Uh, I want to jump straight in actually, because we are talking a lot also around mental strength and resilience, which is a really fascinating subject, especially from my perspective. Um, What is it exactly? What is mental strength? and, And I guess, How do you create or develop mental strength?
0: Mm. It's such a great question. Again, it's like opening up a Pandora's box. You know, where do you want to go with this? I suppose the first thing that comes to my mind around that is something that I learned from my coach. So I had a coach for 16 years who Mm. basically helped me with everything. Uh, I believe his advice saved my wife's life. My wife was given uh, 18 months to live uh, nine years ago. But you know what? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And reaching Mm. out for help, was something that I didn't feel often comfortable doing. But thankfully, I got the help that I needed. But it was my coach who said to me one day, he said to me, what's the nature of the mind? And I tried to give him you know, an answer based on having studied psychology. And he just laughed at me. He said, listen, the nature of your mind is your mind plays tricks on you. And I went, what do you mean? He goes, well, look, have you ever tried to go to sleep at night and you can't? Have you ever been walking down the street and you think someone's following you?
1: Mm. Have
0: you ever thought about what someone is doing when they're not here and thinking about what they're getting up to? Have you ever thought like that? I went, yeah. He goes, that's what the mind does. He said, the mind plays tricks on you. He said, your mind is a very powerful tool. If you put it somewhere, it can do an unbelievable job. It doesn't know necessarily what's right or it's wrong. It goes where we have practiced doing it. Mm. And then he asked me, how do you think you conquer the mind? And again, I tried to give him an an academic answer. He just laughed at me. And he said, look, if you can't find humor in what you are thinking, then you will be a victim of what you are thinking, which will result in you feeling feelings that you don't want to feel. So the way that we conquer our mind, this is what he said, is if you can't find humor in what you're thinking, you'll be a victim of what you're thinking. And that was a big wake-up call for me because, you know... Adam, you know what's going on in the world right now. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But how many people have sent you a funny video on WhatsApp? How many?
1: Uh, loads. <laughs> yeah, loads.
0: Why? Why is that happening? Because people know that if they can make you laugh, it, it kind of liberates you from the craziness that is going on. So Absolutely. it's a simple thing, right? It's such a simple thing to do. It's such a simple thing not to do. If you can find a bit of humor... And realize that the joke is on you. And I mean, again, we could talk about this for such a long time. So I suppose mental strength for me Mm. is your ability to not take yourself too seriously. To realize Mm. that you are more than your thoughts. You can change your thoughts. And I think also, uh, for me, you talk about mental strength. I suppose it's that ability to recognize that there's always a space between the thought and the feeling. It doesn't feel like there is a lot of the time. Mm. But it's what you do with that space. And that's where mindfulness and, you know, meditation, I mean, you think about that as a tool, that's been around for two and a half thousand years. You know, Mm. why? Because people recognized back then that people needed to do that. And then is nothing like today. Today, we'd need that more than ever, right? Again, I know that's, you know, all about that, right? The ability just to back off and observe what's going on and Mm. realize, you know, hang on, I could actually choose how I think and feel. So,
1: yeah. Interesting. Really, really fascinating. Um, I want to talk about something which is really um, fascinating for me, because we we, we kind of briefly touched on it at the beginning of the conversation, which is all around um, failure, right? So, (laughs) you know, I know that sort of there are people from North America listening to this, and then they see failure as a slightly different perception as maybe Europeans. And maybe even same for Asian people, you know, so because of the global audience, I'd love to really know how to kind of more get an understanding of, you know, failure and how to overcome failure more than anything else.
0: Yeah, you know, um, again, I think back to what my coach said to me. He said, you know, people don't change when you tell them what to do. People Mm. tend to really change when their perspective changes. So when we are able to look at things differently, we then might act differently. And it was only just yesterday I was actually listening to someone talk about failure, and I thought, wow, that is such a powerful way of explaining it. But before I explain my perception, which I basically taken from someone else, I just really <laughs> related to it, is in the Western world, we are very much very self conscious about what people think about us. Mm. So uh, when you look at programs like Strictly Come Dancing, uh, these performance programs, you often see athletes perform really well. Because they they understand that the road to learning anything is by getting it wrong. But you know, for most mere mortals, we are worried about making a mistake. I, I, I was talking about this. You know, if you're walking down a street and you slip, m- what most people will do is look around to see who's looking. <laughs> you know, like, you could you could actually stop yourself from breaking your neck, but you want to see who's looking first. So that's the other thing. You know, the mind, self consciousness, um. But what this person said yesterday, which I thought was fascinating. He said, you know, if you go to the gym and you're lifting a weight, when do you stop lifting the weight? You stop lifting the weight when you're at failure, when your muscles fail to do any more. And that's a good thing, right? Right. Because how else are you going to get stronger? And I just thought, I have never thought of it like that. (laughs) So uh, I want to share that now. With you, know, with you and other people might think of the same thing. It's like, we, if we don't embrace what goes wrong, how the hell are we ever going to learn? Again, just using the current world situation now, yesterday people were talking about how in the UK, for example, we could have made some different choices. I'm sure we could have made some different choices. We live sure. in a very reactive world. Yeah. But going through this process, you would imagine like what's happened in Singapore and Korea, South Korea, is they already had a lot of these things in place to deal with situations like this. So unfortunately, human beings always live and think it never <laughs> happened to me or countries or never happen to us. And now we have the opportunity to learn. So for me now, failure is about, you know, it's like going to the gym, right? We want to fail because mm. we're, it's the only way we're going to get stronger.
1: It's a great metaphor, actually. I, and, I, and I love using metaphors to kind of you know, get a point across really, you know, because in everyday life, like you just mentioned the gym and the whole, I never saw that actually, you know, the whole kind of failure. Cause you know, when a lot of sort of people go to the gym, they're like, you know, they have their workouts, right? They have their programs, they do their weights and whatever it is, or some of us do anyway. And, but they don't go to failure like you mentioned, which is really interesting.
0: Um, ah, that's another, I've not, I've not thought of that. You <laughs> That's something else to it, doesn't it? I, honestly, I'm not joking. Yeah, I've not thought true. of that. Most people will not go to failure, no. especially if they're on their own, but if they're with a coach, which is, and I, I think we have to give credit. I'm just looking at my phone here. We have to give credit to the person whose podcast it was because, or the person who was talking, because um, I, I really do want to make sure I just can't remember his name. So um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's important that we give credit, right?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and, uh, until it's called the High Performance Podcast. And it was with, here, hang on a second. It's with, uh, it was with uh, Stephen Bartlett. And what an amazing story. It's one of the top podcasts in the world. Um, and it was him who said that. And I thought, and now you've just added something to that. And I can let me add something else to that, which is when I became an aerobics instructor, I remember yeah. standing on stage and teaching classes to sometimes a few hundred people mm. in Cheltenham. And I remember looking <laughs> in the audience and thinking, why? Why is no one else doing as big a movements as me? Sure. Cool. You know, and because I don't know, I don't know what's, what's your opinion about that. Why do we not push ourselves? It's that second wind thing. Yeah. Why do we, we think? I, I remember reading recently about studies where people perceived exertion. They actually think they're exhausted and then they think their body's stopped because their muscles can't take anymore. Then they've been tested. Their muscles have been tested and their muscles haven't fatigued. Mm. It's their brain hat. So, actually, Adam, I'd like to um, turn that back to you because wh- why do you think people don't push themselves to failure?
1: Well, I think there's a number of things, really. Is, uh, number one is being judged by other people. Mm. Like, if you're, like, you were just using, and I'm just picturing, uh, you know, if you're out on the stage, right, and you're doing, you're going all out. So, you're having a ball of your time, right? And then you've yeah. got all these, you've got 100 sort of uh, fitness fanatics in front of you, right? And you always get the people at the back, which are, you know, they're not so confident. They stay at the back, right. They don't want to do big moves because they don't want to be seen as doing it wrong or tripping over people and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, So I think judgment is probably uh, the first thing. Um, Secondly, yeah, I, I really do think that, um, you know, we all have different uh, you know, we, like you mentioned, the rate of perceived exertion. So, you know, my rate of perceived exertion is, is, maybe a a different scale because it is very much subjective from person to person. Right. Uh, And someone might, you know, you have to take into consideration fitness levels, for example, and and all the other sort of things that you have to take into consideration. So I think from, from my perspective, that would probably be my answer.
0: Yeah, no, it's just fascinating, isn't it? To think Mm. about, again, when you were saying that it was, it was stimulating me to think about most people don't think about possibility. Mm. You know, they don't think about what they could become. And I was very guilty of that for years. I, I never, I used to hate that question when someone would say.
1: You know, it's interesting we're talking about this because I'll go back to the gym analogy, right? And so you're lifting weights to failure, right? What's the reason? Would you say, what, would you say is, what would you say is the number one reason why people don't push themselves to failure rather than just stay in what I call the, the comfort zone or maybe be, maybe be complacent, you know, in a way, but love to know that.
0: It's such a big question again. It's like, yeah. well, you're opening up another Pandora's box. And I suppose the same. The, the, the biggest thing is, and this is what Napoleon Hill wrote about, you know, in 1937. Mm. You know, Think and Grow Rich. Interviewing sure. 500 people, 25 years of his life dedicated. Wasn't his idea though, right? It was Andrew Carnegie. That's right. Who became the richest man in the world. Whose idea was, you know, because he was hearing Morse code and kept hearing that the railways and bridges were snapping because with the, with the irons. So he asked the question, what's stronger than iron? Someone said, well, maybe steel became a you know, steel manufacturer, sold his business to JP Morgan and the rest is history. But it was his, his idea. He was looking for someone to find out the principles of success, which led to Napoleon Hill, who was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So Napoleon Hill spent 25 years of his life, and he was convinced that only 2% of people had a burning desire. You know, had something that was in front of them that just had to do, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why athletes often perform well—the exceptional ones—because there's something in front of them they just they can't stop themselves from doing. So I think that probably is one of, if not the main reason, having something in front of you that you can see that you must and you identify with that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You identify with it so clearly that how you feel has nothing to do with it. Mm Because most of us live our life based on if we don't feel like it, we're not going to do it. But if you identify with something, how you feel doesn't make any difference. Mm. And everyone has that ability. You know, Adam, everyone has that ability. Mm. It just takes a burning building or a a virus or something to happen for people to act without feeling. Mm. So that's something. And then I suppose the other area is you're going to need some help. You know, if you want to achieve something find people like you, like me, other people Mm. who have had the experience of helping someone move forward. Uh, And then also an environment of other people who are doing it as well. Mm. You know, there's no rocket science here, is there? I mean, it's all common sense, but that adage of it's just not common practice. So (laughs) Napoleon Hill said 2% of people. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's only 2% of people that have got that burning vision?
1: I guess it's hard to hard to really make a judgment call, really. Um, yeah. It's interesting you were talking about common sense. So as Dr. Nido Cobain Ke- would say from High Point University, is that common sense isn't so common these days.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, why is that? I think it's because <laughs> we've bought into a world where, you know, I, I, I honestly think that we've got such amazing opportunities, like yeah. never before, to Absolutely. do stuff like this. I mean, this is amazing, right? We're yeah. talking in this way. People are going to listen to it. What, what, what a hoot, right? What a laugh, we couldn't do that <laughs> 20, 30 years ago. There's so not. many things that we can do, but there's never been more distraction. There's never been, mm. I mean, this is, this, I don't know whether you've ever heard of this, but this blew me away. I came across this a few years ago. There is a word for hero in the beginning. It's an ancient Sanskrit word. So over two and a half thousand years ago, when people first started writing, for hero in the beginning, Wow. It's like Aruma a Gushunga or something. It's like, I don't know how to pronounce the word. I don't know how to say it. But and I was thinking, what did people start two and a half thousand years ago with great intention, great enthusiasm, that only after a couple of days, their enthusiasm went outside the back door? And mm. I, I mean, maybe someone can tell me, but, but today, how many things that can we start? And then within a moment, it's gone. Mm. and this is I think it's our gift, right? Right now we can do stuff, but sure. boy, do we have to be careful because there's things pulling on us all the time, which is driving a lot of people a bit crazy.
1: Definitely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something that I know that you've studied and, and you've applied these principles a lot, which is all around um, I suppose positive self-talk, which is all around improving confidence and self-esteem, you know. So in times of adversity, even you know. It doesn't really matter, but we're all going to face times of adversity or whatever it is. What are the things that we need to be saying to, to ourselves? You yeah. know, what, what are words that I need to say? How do I, how do I get it across? And, and, you know, where do we need to start to do that?
0: Well, we start with awareness, right? we are definitely going to become aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty scary place because sometimes when you become aware, you realize mm-hmm. there's a lot of repetition here. You know, Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not an mm-hmm. act you know, excellence is a habit, right? And many of us have the habit of talking to ourselves in, a, in, in very predictable ways. And I'd like to explain it like this, if, if I may, because again, this is something that I learned a few years ago and I didn't know. So I'm very well known for ducks, right? So Dr. Stephen Peter talks about the chim paradox. You know, for me, it's the, the duck paradox, the fact that we have this constant nagging of a, quack, you know, a quacking duck. It actually came from a very famous French football player who played for Manchester United, who got sent off uh, against Crystal Palace, he kicked a supporter, and uh, he he got some help from someone who looked a bit like me. Uh, And in that conversation, um, he basically got to the point of saying, oh, it was the duck in my head that told me to kick this person. Now, I don't know if he was telling the truth, but... We all have something in our head that tells us what to do and what not to do, and Mm -hmm. it's it's the bane of our life for many of us. But this is the fascinating thing: you can never stop it. It was only ever there, probably to help you make sense of the world and probably stop you from being hurt. And you know, we live in a world where we had to conform, we had to fit in, and that was unnatural for most of us. Whether it was smoking to fit in or to think and say certain words. We just had to try and fit in because we need to fit in to survive, right? But the other side of it, which is because there's always two, I reckon there's always at least two sides to everything. If you ask people, do you consider yourself a genius? Most people would say no. And then you'd say, oh, well, what, what does the word mean? Um, well, most people would think of, I don't know, who do you think of Adam as a genius?
1: Einstein, I guess.
0: Einstein, uh, Mozart maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe sure. Steve Jobs. Mm. But the origin of the word, the, the etymology of it, it, it doesn't mean that. The, the root word came, came from, the, from the Romans. They nicked this, by the way, from the Greeks. <laughs> the word genius means the inner spirit of a human being, the guiding voice, they call it the deity inside your head, right. that will tell you what to do and do the right thing, you know, to, to be virtuous to... to um, but we all know that it's, it's just not as simple as that. We just don't listen to the voice. But the Romans, they called it the genius and they nicked it from the Greeks. The Greeks called it the daimon. And you know that we've constantly got this thing going on. It's just, we give power more to the part of us that keeps us where we are, that doesn't want us to grow, that wants us to stay put. And every film, you know, every, every superhero, they have this battle. I suppose ultimately, Adam, that the challenge that we all face is giving more power to the part of us that, even now I'm talking to you, I could easily criticize myself. I could easily get in my own way or think, no, this is too important. This message is too important for me to be self-conscious about what I'm saying. So I would encourage everyone to go and look at the true meaning of the word genius, And then say to themselves, I might not be perfect, (laughs) but I'm a genius,
1: you know? I love it. Um, So I think, I I want to ask you this question because I I think that there's a few people, uh, it's quite a few of our listeners that's going to relate to this question, right? Which is all around, you know, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for a long, long time since since the age of 11, believe it or not. But also, as you know, from my background, I used to be a former elite athlete and used to study and train with Olympians one of the things that I find particularly difficult is talking a lot about being so hard on yourself. Right. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that work, 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 work. Right. And, and they, and they, and they drill it down and they drill it down and, and that kind of stuff. And then, and then you, you kind of like, just stay life is in the fast lane if you like, Do you know what I mean? And you just, there's no, you don't have time to look back and you don't sort of celebrate your wins and whatever it is. I want to kind of ask you the question of, what do what do people what do entrepreneurs and business owners need to do if they're being too hard on themselves? Because you talk about mental strength and and, and building up resilience, the relationship there is very very similar, okay. Uh, but I'd like to know more about how do you kind of not be so hard on yourself.
0: It's again really really good question. The the initial answer that came to me is. Get yourself a coat, mm. right? And acknowledge how you're feeling, and write it down. You know, and discuss it. You know, th- you know. There's a reason why so many people kill themselves every year, and obviously disproportionate. Obviously, huge amounts more men mm. than women, uh, because people don't talk about how they're feeling. People don't talk about what they're doing to themselves. In fact, yes. this morning I was, I was talking. I did a broadcast about how. You know, if you look back five years ago, and you can mm-hmm. see where you are now, mm-hmm. are you where you want to be? And I thought to myself, no, I'm not. I am not where I wanted If Five years ago, I wanted to be in a different place. So, sure. you know, why, why is that? And I can do that on my own. But it's so much easier to do with a, with a, with a coach. You know, if you took your car in for an MOT, mm-hmm. uh, those of you that live in different parts of the world, I, I know you call it a different thing, right? To get the tax on the car, just to make sure that the vehicle is operational. Yeah. They will look at it and, and see, will, will this car continue to work? And it's the same for us. It's like we're hard on ourselves, many entrepreneurial people, because we want something so much mm. that there's like we, we, we only have one gear of operating. So, But I suppose it's that thing, isn't it, which, again, is tough, is that, that, that ability to push, but then the ability to like let go. to Ease off. Yeah. yeah, ease off and like Newton, that whole thing. It's in motion, be patient. That's my weakness. You know, I was born seven weeks premature. I was in a hurry to come out. I've been in a hurry ever <laughs> since, right? And I have to have people around me. But again, Adam, I have to share this with you because I think it's fascinating. I heard, again, I heard this the other day about, you know, the currencies of life. Um, I think, you know, we talk about money being the currency, but well, it is a big currency, right? But there are other ones, I think being inspired, energy, you know, um, freedom, peace. And we want all of these things, but why do we want them? Most of us want them because we associate with the outcome, which is lovely. But there's a lot we can do in the moment to experience the currencies that we all love, peace, freedom, uh, being inspired, being healthy, and, you know, just stepping back from what's going on and pausing it. it, You know, whether we like it or not, that's what our bodies and brains need. If we don't give them that, if we don't, like the siesta, the siesta, the, the siesta was not invented by the Spanish, it was invented by the Romans. And the Romans basically worked out that Probably nicked it from the Greeks again. From most things, right? What did you go against those ideas. Greeks? <laughs> yeah, they, they were they were so wise. But they thought we're not going to start relying on the gods for everything. We, we want to try and work some of this stuff out. So the siesta was look when you've been awake for six hours, stop, right? Pause, reset, and um, you, feed, you see with I think with. Some entrepreneurs have figured that out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying it's the four-hour work week. I mean, that's a great <laughs> idea, but excuse me. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. Let's be realistic. Here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if you love what you do, then yeah, why not yeah. just keep doing it? Which you know, which I, you and I love. Right? I, I would, I would pay for the privilege of doing what I do, especially yeah. for getting up in front of people and speaking. But mm. you know, we talk about mental strength. That's also about pivoting, right? Because what's happened recently. It's affected me massively. You know, half of what I do is, seems to have just gone. So now I have to pivot. Now I need to be flexible and adaptable to change what I'm doing.
1: Um, that's mental strength as well, right? Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Definitely. Um, interesting, because I know that you worked with um, uh, Olympics uh, Olympians, uh, Sally Gunnell, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, world, world, world champion, uh, snookers uh you work with sports teams arsenal football club which is my team by the way please don't take it away from me uh west ham and, and, and but you you work with a, a diversity of athletes and yeah. uh, and and teams and things like that what if you um what's the re- real reasons why they bring you in and oh. and and i guess you know have you seen any sort of common um common patterns between us entrepreneurs and business owners and and, and i suppose sports sports teams
0: you know the, the, the craziest thing is, I could probably count on one finger uh, the athletes that have come to me because things are going really well. Mm. One finger, a woman called Anna Hemmings. She was the only one. She was a, a canoeist, um, world champion, marathon canoeist. Everyone else came to me because they had a problem. Um, so that's interesting, right? But It was so interesting working with sports people. So I love cricket, right? I know cricket is a... It's a <laughs> daft, crazy sport, right? You know, a sport that can last five days and end in a draw. But it was one of my first memories watching my dad play cricket. And I think it's a fantastic game. And um, I, I remember the first athlete I worked with who, his name was Keith Arthurton. He played for the West Indies. He played in the World Cup and he performed so badly that it imprinted something in his head that he became scared to go out and bat. I met him at the Cheltenham Cricket Festival and he wasn't playing He was just watching, and we started talking. And I'd been studying hypnosis um, at that time. This was a long, long time ago, in 97, maybe, 96, 97. And he asked me if I'd help him, so I I hypnotized him. I'm not there, and then I went to, he then started playing for High Wycombe, and I met him on the day he was playing in the morning. I hypnotized him, and I got him to imagine he was his favorite cricket player, who was a guy called Viv Richards. And Viv Richards was actually a right hand batsman, and Keith Arton was a left hand batsman, but he really got into it because sports people tend to be very open to suggestion. Sports people are very good at going into trance because they have to, right? The boxer that wins is the one who's in the deepest trance. So he went so deep into a trance. When he came out, he was like, right, I'm Viv Richards. He went out and batted, he got 175. And he, at one point, he hit the ball, and the ball went behind him. And when the ball goes behind you in cricket, you don't say yes to run. It's the batsman at the other end. And the batsman said, Keith, yes. And he looked at him as if to went, who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm <Alvin> the Richards. <right? laughs> and he had convinced himself that he was this person. And that really just blew my mind because I was thinking, wow, wow if he can do that, What else can people do? So then I worked with people like Ronnie O'Sullivan. I spent two years of my life working with him. He's five times snooker world champion. His Mm. his dad was in prison for 18 years murder. Uh, His mum had been in prison for for a period of time. He had some serious uh, issues with addiction. And, you know, talent can get you so far, as you well know, right? You, You know this just as well as everybody, as anybody. You need a lot more than talent. You need to dedicate your something, yourself to something with a relentlessness that is hard to find. But that's where the greatest joy comes in, right? The, the, to be able to look back at the fruits of your hard work and to go, I did that. And I think we all want it. It's just sacrificing, isn't it? It's sacrificing the excuses, sacrificing the instantaneous gratification that we get. Um, You have to forgive me because I actually now don't remember
1: the question that you asked me. (laughs) It was was all around um, the the sports teams that you worked with and why they draft you in. So
0: so let 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 me share this story with you. So I then got a chance in 1999 to work with the Kent cricket team. And again, I was so excited because I love cricket, right? So, mm-hmm. and I'd never been in a professional dressing room of a cricket team like this. I'd worked with this one player, but he wasn't playing uh, county cricket at that time. And i never forget, um, it was a guy called John Wright, who was the coach of the uh, cricket team. He used to play for New Zealand, open the batting against New Zealand. And um, I couldn't believe just how, not shambolic it was, but just how unprofessional people were, how... Very few people, even at that level, uh, were striving for for just, like, you know, that relentlessness to be better, which can be an unhealthy thing if it's not managed, as, sure. as you alluded to. Yeah. Um, but what he said to me is, he said to me, he thinks of it like being in the First World War, and they're all in the trenches. And he then goes, right, let's go, guys. He jumps up, he goes, and he looks back. And they're all still there because they were frightened to step up, you know. And that was a real eye-opener to me. Because I think I sometimes think to myself, why would you not do something if you're not prepared to move through fear? And there, there was a culture that existed there of and, and and actually, you know, if you think about one of the greatest sporting films I've ever seen, I don't know whether you've seen it, it's called Um. Slight edge. If you haven't seen it, whether you like cricket or not, you know, England were number seven in the world at cricket. Sure. And the laughing stock. And they got uh, Andy Flower, who was from Zimbabwe, to be the coach. And he set a goal of two years to be number one. And that involved a massive cultural shift. And we can all make a cultural shift, right, in here. But it has to be based, I believe, on something we want to do it it's great if you want to move away from something which is which is okay but once people get comfortable i mean what drove you as as an athlete what was it that inspired you to to do the work
1: well apart from my sort of backstory and stuff i think it was about um uh, not well there was a number of reasons why i wanted to do the work it's purely because i wanted to uh, feel That I wanted, that I could achieve something without feeling judged for it, you know. Success was extremely important, but I really loved what I really, really loved is actually improving on my times, and I could see the progress about moving forwards.
0: Massive that that whole tracking thing, of just being able to see and see improvement. And again, I really appreciate that we get a chance to talk about this stuff because, again, I didn't know this. A guy that won the Nobel Prize in 1937, a Hungarian guy, he won it twice, actually. Okay. He he won it because of his theory called syntropy. And if you've never heard of this, just go and Google it, syntropy. Syntropy. And basically all syntropy is, is every living cell lives for one reason. It lives to express itself fully. You know, we might not express ourselves fully, you know, an acorn that falls from the tree, that relies on nature. Uh, a cat that wants, to be, a kitten that becomes a cat relies on instinct. Humans become who we're capable of becoming by choice, yeah. right? That's it. That's it. What, what choices are we going to make? I, that's how I think. And I think that we can either move, cho- make choices that move us forwards into growth or back into safety, and I heard someone say this again recently, that the natural state of my garden is decay. If I don't do anything in that garden, there's going to be a problem. I have to do the work, and if I don't want to do the work, then don't expect anything to happen. And I know, I think you're the same age as me, right? You're 49. Uh, No, definitely not. I thought we were friends. (laughs) There you go. Now the the self-conscious part of my brain is now going, what have you just said? How old are you,
1: Adam?
0: Uh, Late 30s. I apologise. No worries. Because I'm 50 in uh, a few weeks, May 13th. I I was actually just talking (laughs) to someone else who's in the same field as us. Yes, and he said that he was uh, forty nine and fifty in June. So, um, we but, do have know, the
1: same. We do have the same star sign, though.
0: You're a Taurus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bulls. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm going to have my fiftieth birthday party on Zoom, but I don't know many fifty year olds who are like me. I think many of them are just accepting decline. Sure, and I don't want to accept decline. I want to, you know. You know, there's still so much to do this for me. There's still so much to, to make happen. And especially now, we've been chosen to, or whether we have been chosen, up to you, right? We're living in times where I think we've got a wonderful opportunity to, to make a big difference. Definitely. You know, don't you think that? Right Absolutely. now, it's time for a massive shift. <clears throat> it,
1: it, you know, it depends on when you're listening to this, guys. I think there's opportunity around us all the time. And it's just about allowing yourself um being yourself open to allow opportunity to come in you know and, and and it's been fascinating just listening to speak uh listening to some of the people like jack canfield and and, and jp and stuff like that and you know and allowing sort of you know law of attraction and, and manifestations and all of that kind of stuff because this stuff works guys it really yeah. does work i'm not kidding you you know if, if 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 pete says it if if jack says it if i say it it must be true. So please stop trying reinventing the wheel, right? You know, right?
0: <laughs> you know I, I actually feel quite emotional and I can feel myself welling up because yeah. and I'm not going to cry. But basically, when you say that, I just think for me personally, for half of my life, right? Over half of my life, more, I've invested in just looking for answers. You know, my dad basically always said to me, "Son, it is not what you know, right? It's not what you know. It's who. Now, I do know a lot of stuff, but I know a lot more people. And my mom always said, look, there's an answer to everything, right? There is an answer. And I wish sometimes I could do the work for people in a way, but then I realized I can't. And there is no better joy in life than doing something that is difficult or challenging and then being able to look back and say, you know what, I did that. And I don't know about you, Adam, but I personally believe the best is yet to come.
1: Um, I agree hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is um, uh, sort of kind of a, a really interesting question here. Um, and, and, I, and I know that you can have a great answer for me. Uh, business owners <laughs> and entrepreneurs, by the way, uh, and also sports teams and, and athletes and things like that. How can business owners and entrepreneurs learn from the same, I guess, psychological winning principles to help them to take their business to the next level?
0: Great question. And it was, you know, when, when you asked me to do this, I, I went away and, you know, thought about it for a while. And then I went back and looked at some of the stuff I've written over the years. And I think the main thing was this. you have to. We don't have to, but it's a lot easier where you identify with something in the future, right? Mm. But most of us only act on feeling. And because we don't feel like doing something, we just won't do it. But real great entrepreneurs, they identify with something in the future. They identify with a business in the future. They identify with themselves in the future. Mm. And they think to themselves, how does that version of me, how does that business, um, how do I act in accordance to that? So we identify with what we want. We act in accordance with that way. And then the feeling follows. So don't wait for a feeling. You know, if you want to feel something, act first and the feeling will come to you. So what can entrepreneurs and uh, great athletes do? I mean, one of the greatest sporting stories I know is uh, Sally Gunnell, um, and if you don't know who she is, just Google her, Sally Gunnell,
1: 1992,
0: 1993. 1992, she won a gold medal in Barcelona. 1993, she broke the world record. She met um, a former athlete called David Hemery, who won gold in 68 in 400 meter hurdles, which was mm-hmm. the same event as Sally. And Sally said to him, can you give me any advice? And David Henry said, do you ever visualize the race? And she went, sometimes, but you know what? Sometimes I visualize it and I don't see myself winning. So I figure, you know, don't do it. <laughs> and he said, no, you want to win gold in Barcelona. You need to start thinking about this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Identify with the person that you're becoming. And she got really good at this. And if you watch in '93, if there's any legacy from this, go and watch this. When she crossed the line, having she had a cold on that day, uh, she wasn't feeling very well. But because she was so into the person that she was becoming, when she crossed the line, she didn't know that she'd won, and she didn't know that she'd broken the world record. And you see the two moments where she worked that out. First, she'd won. She goes, oh, it's me, and jumps up in the air. And then a few moments later, realize that she just broke on the world record. If you don't, people call it visualizing, but it's much more than visualizing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's an identity. I identify with that. That is who I'm becoming. That is who, who is that person? What do they think? What do they do? And act as best as you can in accordance with that, because that is what Abraham Maslow talked about. Mm-hmm. That is self-actualizing. You actualize what you're actually capable of. And then the next stage of that is you transcend it by giving it to others. And um, I could talk about this stuff for hours, Adam, but I hope that <laughs> gives you uh, an answer that you know that will be of value to people.
1: Definitely, definitely. What um, I was going to say, because I know we're coming towards the end of our interview, and I guess my sort of last question, would, which will be around sort of, can you give us five quick tips, five very quick tips about how to improve our mental strength and adversity?
0: I love the way you just put me on the spot there. <laughs> That's the way I, I do things. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I have to, then I have to you know, take a moment, right? In, in fact, yeah. in Japan, in some places in the world, if they ask you a question like yeah. that, yeah. they don't expect you to answer it straight away. They say, no. almost expect you to go away and then come back and think about it. But you're not giving me that. But well, that's fine. <laughs> but, but, Sorry, but, Pete. <laughs> I love it. I like it because it's like putting me on the spot. And I want to be put on the spot. Sure. I want to be challenged.
1: Yeah.
0: So I'm not sure these would be in chronological order. But uh, I'd say definitely okay. one of them is your ability to understand that your thoughts, you're more than your thoughts. So know that a thought comes like, I'm going to be late. And that thought manifests into a feeling, which then c- tells your brain that you were right to think it. Mm-hmm. And then the feeling gets stronger and you have to be able to step back from that. Because if you don't, you will always be a victim to, um, to your, your feelings, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is, always know that there is a gap between thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. See if you can practice expanding the, the gap. See if you can almost imagine looking back and looking at the conveyor belt of your thoughts mm-hmm. and realize that What we think is based on what we've thought before in the past. That's the second thing. The third thing I'd say is, what could be new thoughts you could think? Even just asking that question, what's a good thought? You know, like a good thought might be, what could I do today that if I did it, I'd feel better for having done it? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Which is a great one to do with exercise, by the way. Definitely. If I exercised, how would I get to feel after it? Would that feeling in mind do it? Um, the, f- the, the fourth one I'd say is, as we mentioned right at the beginning, see if you're able to find a little bit of humor in what you think. Just, just see if you can see the funny side of the repetition. And I suppose lastly, just know this. There's only one thing that exists in this universe that we live in. Only one thing. And that's possibility. So, always be open to possibility of <laughs> what is possible, what can be done, not what can't be done. Mm. That's what great entrepreneurs really think. They always think, "Oh, what can we do with this? How can we turn this around?" And that's what I'm seeing in the world now. More and more people mm. thinking that way.
1: It takes practice, right? I love it. But, I, I love that. I love that. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, the whole kind of possibility theme, because I think. Uh, especially in challenging times um you know whenever you're listening to this in challenging times it's easy to be faced with the brick walls and the the challenges and and trying to think to them trying to self-talk self-talk yourself out of it and it's like well this this is physically impossible there's no it's but actually what you're saying is actually well that's not necessarily the case let's look at how do we then get around that wall get around and overcome those sort of um challenges or whatever you want to call it or depend on how you look at it i guess and things yeah. like that so fascinating fascinating love it so um i was going to say um any final thoughts before uh, before we wrap up
0: well i think well two things first off you know john stockdale who was a prisoner of war um there's the stockdale paradox which mm. some people have heard of again if you haven't check it out So, this is a guy who um was a prisoner of war he was the highest ranking officer Uh, The Japanese wanted to use him as a a symbol of, look how well we're looking after the Americans. And he wasn't having any of it. He just used used to basically beat himself up. He was put in solitary confinement for years. But he had something, he had hope, right? Where he saw a lot of people die because they thought they'd get out like at Christmas or Easter. And hope is really where you know the future is going to be better than where you are. And if you have hope, it, it really changes everything. And I would just encourage people to be hopeful because what, what do we have if we don't? We have hopelessness, you know? <laughs> that's, 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 sure. you know? We need to do that. And then the second thing is, you know, if you're listening to this, I really appreciate it. I really genuinely do. And I would encourage you to follow what Adam's doing, you know, because I'm not the only person that is a part of this. And he's gone to great lengths to find some great people, to share some great wisdom. And I would be asking yourself the question, Uh, What could you do for him, you know?
1: Maybe sharing this (laughs) so other people can hear this
0: because he's on a mission. And the more, this is the big thing, Adam. You asked me the question and I'm going to tell you. Sure. What needs to happen more than anything else? And Napoleon Hill wrote about this in the 1930s. The era of the go-getter has gone. It's the era of the go-giver. How can I help you? How can I serve you? What do you need? You know, and the more we start asking that question, the more we start to change the world. Um, and it's our world, right? It's, it's ours. So we absolutely. can do with it for a certain extent what we want. So, Adam, I just want from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for this opportunity. We could talk all day. Definitely.
1: Listen, you're, you're absolutely uh, welcome. And I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversations today. And guys, listen, I hope that you've enjoyed um, myself and Pete and talking about different things. Um, was going to say is if you have any questions, uh, or even if you just want to connect with Pete, feel free to do so on his social media handles below. Uh, I know that Pete is extremely, um, uh, what should we say, active on LinkedIn and, yeah. um, and 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 Instagram and Facebook and all of that kind of stuff. So feel free to feel free to reach out to him, and and also you can also drop him a little personal message as well if you've listened to him on this platform and if you have any questions. I'm sure that in due kind that. He will respond. So, um, yes. So, Pete, just want to say thanks very much. Really appreciate you being on, brother.
0: It's a pleasure, my friend. And I'm sorry that I thought he, I thought you were 49.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have another conversation after this. So, guys, yes. listen. Um, hope you've enjoyed. Uh, we'll see you on the next Game Changer Summit, and we'll see you soon. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.